stories from your community. This is the 519 Podcast, part of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. It's always fascinating learning about your family's history. Did your grandfather fight in a war? Or did your great aunt Jess invent the shoe umbrella? A good part is you can easily just ask them or ask your parents who have heard the stories at every family dinner growing up. But that's not the case for some people. Around 1,700 children are adopted each year in Canada. Although many still grow up in a loving home with their adoptive parents, they may still question who their birth parents are, why they were given up for adoption, and what their lives would have looked like if they had not been adopted. On this episode of the 519 Podcast, we speak with Colleen O'Grady-Johnson, an adoption search angel originally from Woodstock, who has reconnected 825 families over the last 18 years. On this episode of the 519 Podcast, Ontario's Adoption Search Angel. This episode is hosted by Haley Chang. The adoption experience is vast for both the person adopting, the person being adopted, as well as the birth family. Whether positive or negative, every adoption story is different. But for a long time, information on adoption was kept confidential. The origin of the child often shrouded in secrecy. In past decades, being pregnant while unwed was highly stigmatized. Women were often sent away from home and would give birth in religious institutions where their babies would then be placed for adoption, sometimes against the mother's wishes. But over the years, attitudes towards adoption began to change as adoptees sought out their biological families. People now see the importance of knowing your roots. And the people who help those adoptees find their birth parents or help mothers find the child they had to give up are called adoption search angels. Colleen O'Grady is just one of the many adoption sleuths reconnecting families and facilitating reunions. It all began for her in the summer of 2007 when a good friend wanted to find his birth father. Colleen agreed to help and hasn't stopped helping adoptees since. I just I got on the computer, I sent messages to people, I did a lot of googling. Much to my own surprise, I ended up finding his dad. And it was a really cool story because it actually brought some peace and closure to other members of the family as well. And then word traveled quickly after that. And one of my reunions was featured in the local newspaper. And from that point on, I started to get requests for help and it just took off like wildfire. So I really don't know. I didn't know what I was getting into when I started, but it turned into something really wonderful. Many adoptees still grow up in the same way as you and me. Their adoptive parents treat them as one of their own, and many grow up to have families of their own. It could be decades later before they decide they want to search for their birth families. So why do people want to find their birth parents after all those years? Oh, it's curiosity. People want to know their past. Adoptees want to know why they were surrendered for adoption. They want to know the circumstance of um of, you know, mom's circumstance at the time. And birth moms and dads, they want to know that the child that they gave up had, has had a really happy, a good life. And some people want to know strictly for medical reasons. And then others want to be able to put a face to a name. They don't have a desire for a relationship. They just want to see somebody. Colleen helps adoptees satisfy that curiosity. But when she first started out almost two decades ago, it was no simple feat. You know, there was a time when, you know, there was only the phone book. You had to flip through the phone book and then call every every name that you saw in the phone book. Now, on the other hand, one thing that makes it more difficult now is um, that people don't have landlines. So it's harder to get their phone numbers if you want to connect with them. So, you know, a lot of time I have to see if I can find them on social media because there's no other way of, of reaching them. 
The first step, obviously, is to get a case file. Often, Colleen's clients get in touch with her after seeing her searches and success stories appear on the news, or from hearing about her from other adoptees who have found their birth parents. Once they get in touch, Colleen begins her search. And although how long it takes varies depending on how much information she is given, every case is different. There is no formula for finding someone. It's either It either happens quickly, within a week, or it takes a long time, where it's months, sometimes even years. It's taken me years for a few different people. It just, again, it just depends on how much information I have. It also depends on the person's name that I'm searching for. If it's a very common name, then it's it's a difficult search. If it's mm-hmm. a very unusual name, then it makes the search a little bit easier. It goes both ways. You know, it can be either, it can go either very quickly or it can take a long time. Every situation is unique. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole process of finding somebody depends on the information that I already have. In some cases, I don't have any names and I have to apply for identifying information from the government um, in order to get names and places. Other times, if I have, you know, cert- if I have certain information, I can use Ancestry. I Google a lot. Um, I send out hundreds of messages on um, Facebook, like just hundreds of them and on social media. And, you know, sometimes I, I don't get any responses at all. Other times I will get a response a year later that, that, that somebody has just noticed the message and they say, wow, I, I do know this person. I can help you out. And so it's pretty, it's, it's, it's varied. Sometimes she's armed with just a name and a date and will have to make do with that information. Well, I would start by um, just Googling. I would just Google the name. I would see where that led me. Then I'd probably go to social media and look there. I would then do Ancestry. Um, see if I could, if I knew the person's occupation at the time of, like if a birth mom, if, if I knew that she had been a nurse, then I could easily go on Ancestry, plunk her name in, plunk the location in, and I could, under keywords in Ancestry, I could say nurse, mm-hmm. and, you know, an approximate birth date, and, you know, I just put in information like that, and just, I just see what I come up with. Mm-hmm. I just see what I come up with, and, you know, that sometimes I'm led in all different directions, sometimes I'm not led in the right direction. And um, I'll spend a lot of time on somebody that turns out to not be the right person. But, um, you know, eventually, hopefully the pieces fall into place. As you can imagine, sometimes after hours and hours of searching, she still can't find the person she's looking for or all the avenues she takes lead nowhere. We may think that these are dead ends, but Colleen disagrees. You know, I never refer to them as dead ends. I have searches that are unsuccessful and I I need to take a break. But I do pick them up again and I resume the search at some point with a fresh set of eyes. There have been cases where I thought I couldn't do anymore and then out of the blue, a little piece of the puzzle falls in my lap. So I guess my motto is never say never. So I guess I never call anything a dead end Mm -hmm. because I never know what's going to happen. All it takes is just one little piece of information and boom, the whole thing comes together. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty amazing. You may think that it's just a little Googling or social media stalking. How hard can it be? But the job is not as easy as one would think. Of course, the most rewarding part is having a successful reunion. But to get to that point, Colleen has to face the toughest part of the job, making that initial phone call. I love the searching and everything else, but having to contact somebody is just, it just um, scares me. And um, it's my it's the time when I'm biting my nails usually and <laughs> drinking a glass of wine. I usually, you know, I will call somebody and I introduce myself 
and tell them what I do, who I am, and then I will make sure that they are um, sitting by themselves, that there's no other family members around, mm -hmm. and I'll say that I have something very personal to ask them. And then I just come right out and I say it. And, uh, you know, I get all sorts of all sorts of different reactions. You know, I've had times when people have just been furious with me for contacting them. And, um, you know, unfortunately I'm the middleman, so I, I hear it all. But I think it's better that I bear the brunt rather than my client. It, you know, it would be pretty hurtful for my client to hear some of the things that are said. Um, but I do, I try to listen and be patient. And if someone is really letting me have it, then I'll say, you know, when you have time to process and you can talk, then you have my number. But, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm human and there are times when I hang up the phone and I just cry. I cry because I'm, I'm not used to being screamed at. Um, and I'm also very sad for my client. That being said, there have been times when um, an upset birth mom, for example, has changed her mind. I've had quite a few cases where a birth mom hasn't told the rest of her family, her current family, that she had a baby when she was young. And um, there's still a stigma to having a, a baby out of wedlock in the 50s and 60s, 70s, even 80s to some extent. And they're afraid to tell family members. Uh, so they say their first reaction is, no, I don't want any connection with this child. And then they will end up talking to their family and telling them what happened. And then when they see that their family's excited and they're, they're not reacting in a terrible way, then it kind of um, gives them permission to say, okay, you know what, I, I, do, I do want to connect with, with my child. Four years ago, a young man reached out to Colleen. He wanted help connecting with his birth mom. He had already done some research and after Colleen did her own search, they were pretty confident that they had found the right person. When I contacted this woman, you know, I began as I usually do, introducing myself and telling her that I'm an adoption angel and I help adoptees and birth families reconnect. And she was quite interested and she asked me a few questions. She's very, very kind. And then I said, I'm, I'm going to ask you a very personal question. So please take your time to answer. If you need some time to process, just hang up and call me back. And I said, um, I asked, did you, did you have a child in the 1950s? And she said, uh, no, I don't have any children. And I was a little bit stunned. And I said, oh, you don't have any, you've never had any children. And she said, no. And I said, oh, I, I wonder if I have the wrong person then. So the date, April 16th, 1958, didn't mean anything to you. It doesn't mean anything to you. And she paused and she said, well, yes, actually, that was the date that I had a baby. I was very young, a child myself, really. And she went on to tell me the story that she was only 17 uh, when she had her baby and her parents were very upset at her pregnancy. And on the day she had her baby, her parents convinced her to give the baby up for adoption. So she left the hospital in tears without her baby. But the hospital had told her that she had a few days to change her mind. And within a few days, she did exactly that. She changed her mind. She told her parents she was going back to the hospital because she wanted to raise the baby. So her parents sat her down and said, uh, there is no baby. Your baby died right after birth. It didn't make it. And at that point, my jaw just dropped. because, it, And it's not often that I can't get my words out. But that's exactly what happened. And I, I'm not sure of my exact wording. But I said something like, I have a client who was born April 16th, 1958 at such and such a hospital. And according to his statement of birth, birth, birth mom's name was such and such, which was her maiden name. And there was dead silence. So 
like I didn't know I was I'm not a counselor I didn't know what to say I just sat there and um she started to cry her husband got on the phone and he was furious he was convinced that I was it was a scam Mm -hmm. um and I can't blame him because it's just something so out there and there's so many scams these days you know Mm -hmm. people nobody nobody knows anymore Long story short, I ended up sending birth mom the statement of birth, and my client had had his DNA uh, his DNA done, so he sent her the results, and there was there were some connections there, and um, so you know, long story short, her baby had lived and had been adopted and had been adopted by another couple and raised not too far from where birth mom had been living the whole time. That story may have started out a little sad, but it had a happy ending. But what happens if Colleen makes that initial call and the birth parent refuses to connect with their child? Or maybe the person she's searching for has already passed. What do you do then? Sometimes the search may not have the perfect outcome, but there's always something positive to take away from it. There are cases that the results aren't good, you know, where maybe a you know, an adoptee or a birth mom, I find them and they say, I don't want a relationship. I don't want to pursue a relationship. And those are the tough ones. And, you know, they, they make me feel very sad for my client. But I always, um, I always try to give some hope because, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know if that person's going to change their mind. There's always hope. There's always, always hope. And even in a case where I had a recent case where this beautiful woman was looking for her son and um, it took me months to find him and he had just passed away. And um, yeah, he had cancer and, you know, um, that was very hard. It was very hard on, on birth mom, but she, you know, she said to me, you know, thank you so much for finding him. I now, I now know that he had a good life and I know that he had, um, he had a chance to experience things that I wasn't able to give to him and my questions are answered now. So what I'm hoping is that in time, we can connect with the adoptive family so she can get more answers. And, um, you know, he's got kids, so maybe there's, you know, there's the hope of meeting her grandkids. So it's, you know, it has a lot of legs. It it can go in all kinds of different directions. It's, It's never really over. When we think about adoptions, it's often the adoptee that comes to mind. We think about their life growing up, not knowing who their birth parents are, growing up not seeing their face in any of their adoptive family's faces, searching for a place to belong, and their search for their birth parents. However, we often forget that behind every adoptee is a mother and father who had to give up their child. Whether it was their choice or not, they had to live their whole lives with that experience. It's a tough decision. It's not something, it's not easy. And they carry it with them their whole lives. And I've had a lot of birth moms say to me, you know, thank you for doing this because I've carried this around with me my entire life. And it's always just sitting at the back of my head. And I, you know, I I think about my child all the time. What happened to my child? Did he or she end up going to, you know, university or college? What does, do I have grandkids? They have a lot of questions and those questions just, they're not going to disappear. All birth parents do that, birth moms and, and birth fathers as well. They always wonder. It does give them closure. It gives them closure knowing, you know, just, just being able to picture what their child has done or being able to picture what their birth mom, you know, what she went through, learning what she went through at the time. A lot of uh, adoptees have trouble understanding why they would be given up. And then once they hear the story from their birth mom and dad, it changes their whole um, perception. You know, they put themselves in their in, in their shoes and say, you know what, if I was that age, I probably would have done the same thing. 
And, you know, the, I was given up for adoption for for good reasons. My mom did it for, with the best of intentions because she couldn't provide for me at that time. So it's a real eye-opener. In 2014, Colleen learned about Keely Greeno Robbins' hunt for her birth family. Keely was born in London and spent some time in an orphanage before she was adopted. And I had reached out because I found out that the adoptions in Ontario were opened. So I had reached out to um, the internet, had this where you put your information out there in Ontario. Uh, it was Adopt Ontario, I believe it was. And I had loaded what information I had based on what my parents had told me. Um, shortly thereafter, I received my original birth certificate, so I was able to add more. Um, and fast forward uh, probably three to four months later, uh, I get a message from Colleen, it's, and she says, you know, I'm here in Ontario, and I'm a school teacher, and I do this to help people on the side. And I said, well, I would love your help. I said, you know, I live in Southern California. I don't have much to go on other than when they sent me my birth certificate, it had my original name on it and my mother's name, not my adoptive mother's. So we were able to get a little extra information at that time. And then I um, received a phone call after we talked to Colleen. Colleen says, let me do some research, and can I get back to you? In between that time, Larissa... Chapman from the uh, uh, adoption agency or uh, Ontario Adoption contacted me and says, I've got your paperwork. It's redacted. I'm sending it to you. So in between all of this time, all this was going on within a couple of days. Well, Colleen calls, sends me a message and uh, within 48 hours, she says, hey, you know, I've got two leads here. I'm going to send you a picture and just tell me what you think. So she sent a picture of my birth mother from Facebook. I took one look at that woman, and I knew immediately, without a doubt, that that was my mother, because I looked just like her. I took the phone to my husband, and I showed it to him. He goes, that's your mom? He says, that's got to be your mom. So I called Colleen, and um, I said, Colleen, that, yeah, let's make contact, you know, if she's willing to do it. If she says, no, we end it right here. I'm not pushing. I just want my medical history because I have a child of my own and I wanted her to know. And um, so Colleen reached out to my birth mother and contacted her and they had a long conversation, don't know what was involved. And then Colleen called me back and said, I have spoke with your mother. She's wondered where you've been her whole life. And she says, she will reach out to you when she's ready. Because nobody knew about me except for her husband. So um, on my 48th birthday, at 12.01 in the morning, I received a phone call from Ontario. And it was my mother calling me. And Colleen orchestrated all of it. And what she does and the gift that she has to help other families. Because to me, this is what it is. It's the, I found the missing piece to my puzzle. Like I said, she's my guardian angel. And my life is fulfilled because now I have all my family. Kaylee's story is just one of Colleen's many successful searches. Over the last 18 years, Colleen has helped reconnect 825 families. Sometimes she has to search for weeks, sometimes even years to find a single person. Other times, things just kind of work out on their own. I had a, a woman in her 30s who contacted me. 
and she had been born in Ontario, but she was now living in Nova Scotia and she was an adoptee. And uh, she asked me to search for her birth mom. So she had her birth mom's maiden name and year of birth. And unfortunately her maiden name was really common. I think it was Turner or Tanner or something like that. Birth mom had only been like 18 when she'd given birth, so she was very young. So I used to take my computer and sit at chapters on Saturdays to do my searches, sit there with the coffee and people watch and, and search on my computer. So I was sitting on one of those big comfy couches in chapters one Saturday afternoon and my computer was on my lap and I was working on a few different searches and chapters was very busy. Um, a nice gentleman walked up to me and he said, um, do you mind if I sit, sit at this end of the couch? And I said, no, by all means, go right ahead. So he sat there and we got chatting and just the, the sweetest man. At one point, he ended up looking at my laptop and he said, because um, I had told him that I, about my hobby. And he said, um, are, are you doing a search right now? And I said, I am. And he said, is that who you're searching for? And I said, yes. And it's a hard one because this lady's name is so common. She's probably married now and she's changed her name. And he had this almost amused look on his face. And he said, uh, you know, I have a sister by that name. And I said, oh, that's weird. Is that her married name? He said, no, that's our family name. And I said, oh, that's bizarre. Well, it's a common name. So blah, blah, blah. We went on small talking. And then eventually the man said goodbye. And I wished him well. And he left. And then about 15 minutes later, I looked up and he was walking through the front doors of chapters again. And he walked over to me and handed me his cell phone. And he said, someone wants to speak to you. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, um, just take the phone and say hello. So I took the phone and I said, hello. And it turned out his sister was the woman I was looking for. Finding a loved one, whether it's the baby you gave up, biological parents, or even a long-lost sibling is not an easy journey. But Colleen's passion and determination often leads to successful searches. And it's those reunions that encourage her to continue her work in helping others find their birth families. Oh, it's incredible. And, you know, I just I smile from ear to ear um, after it happens. And, you know, nothing can wipe that smile from my face. Um, and I kind of, I call it my helper's high. And, uh, you know, it, every time it happens, I'm, I'm just reminded that the real joy in life comes not from material things, but from helping other people. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of that frequently, fortunately, with this hobby of mine. So it's, it's an amazing feeling. This episode of the 519 Podcast was written and hosted by Haley Cheng. It was produced by Craig Needles. The 519 Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.